I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British uh, Institute of uh, Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. I hope you guys are well. My name is uh, Louis Mendez. This is the big match preview on this Thursday. We'll be looking back at the uh, 2-1 win over Cheltenham uh, during the weekend, of course, ahead uh, to the FA Cup clash at Gillingham uh, coming up uh, this Saturday uh, as well. Joining me to have that discussion uh, is Mr. Mark Newbury. How are you doing, Mark? There we go. There we there go. I'm is. all right. Yeah, I was going to tell you, I was borrowing Benji's microphone. Um, no, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that works out really well because you, you have exactly the same effect as Benji's microphone <laughs> there. Um, good uh, good yeah. to have you uh, on the show. We might be joined by Joe later on, but we'll see uh, as the evening progresses. But as I said, we'll be looking back at that 2-1 win uh, against Cheltenham. We're going to hear the goals and some post-match reaction from both Michael Appleton uh, and the goal scorer Alfie May uh, later on. Uh, in the show, we're also uh, going to hear from uh, a Gillingham fan ahead of Saturday's game. Lewis Hart is going to join us uh, on the show as we look ahead to the FA Cup clash uh, with the Jills. We also want to hear from you guys uh, as well. Everyone joining us in the live chat. <clears throat> uh, good evening to Sam. Good evening to Trev. Uh, uh, ticket collection, Trev. We used to get the press tickets from. Good to see you, Trev. I haven't seen you for a while. Keith's uh, in there. ND Miller. Uh, Dudley, Michael, uh, and all hell let loose have joined us. Anything you want to say on uh, Tuesday's game or looking ahead to Saturday's clash with the Jills, just let us know. Uh, email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk uh, or you can tweet us uh, at charltonlive. Um, yeah, before we hear the goals then, Mark, from Tuesday, uh, how, how would you sum that, that victory up? I guess the most important part of that sentence is victory uh, and um, everything else is, yeah. is some, something of a side note. <laughs> uh, forgettable. I'd say from that, but apart from, you know, two pens in a game, uh, f- forgettable um, and easy to pick the mistakes out. That's a thing. Sometimes with games, you can just like forget the mistakes people have made. With this one, it's quite easy to go. We we can remember where the mistakes were made. We, you know, we sh- in theory, we should have taken them to the sword, pun intended, but we didn't. And... <sighs> They belied their where they are in the table. I think. I think they played some nice stuff. I thought their goal was very good. Um, for our, for way we just didn't look as compact as we normally did, and I I think there's an obvious problem in midfield. Um, and you know we'll address it later on. But I th- I think it was a forgettable. The, the main things are we got the points, and at the end of the day, that that's what you need. Hmm. Uh, certainly do right well let's have a listen back to the goals then from Charlton TV as always your commentators were Greg Stubbley and uh, Mr Terry Smith 10 long away down the right hand side headed clear by Adam but only as far as Circum ball into the box straight to Goodwin who scores well it's a wonderful cross by Circum but Goodwin allowed all sorts of space tucking in between Tanae Watson and Michael Hector Talked about Cheltenham not afraid to go long early. It's just a header that's dropped nicely for Circum. They've allowed the cross to come in, Charlton. Goodwin completely unmarked. Just had to hit the target with his header, get it beyond Maynard Brewer, and Cheltenham have the lead. What's been a nervy start for Cheltenham defensively, who've been punished. That header and Lieben could spring on that right hand side and does. Up against Freestone, right corner of the penalty area. Looks to take him on. Oh, it's dive in, and it's a penalty to Charlton. I can't tell how much contact there was on that uh, right corner of the penalty area, but it was a silly challenge to make by Freestone. Lieber went down. Referee gives a penalty. I have no idea what Freestone's thinking. Tell, I, I, I just assume he thinks he's going to cross the ball and dives in to try and block it. Lieber's going nowhere. He's he's under pressure. He's held up the ball well, trying to take his man on. But Freestone has just made a sliding challenge. 
That looked like a penalty from where we are. Penalty, mate, from the penalty spot. Steps forward. Strikes it hard, low and through. Luke Southwood for the equaliser. Well, he said he wasn't going to celebrate. And that's the call that would have meant a lot for Alfie, mate. 16 now for him. Well, it's been a wonderful season. A wonderful penalty. Hard and low past Southwood. To get to Charlton the equaliser. Still Charlton in possession, though. Therese Campbell gets the ball back from Louis Watson. Is there a handball in there? Yes, indeed. The assistant is flagged. And Charlton have another penalty. There's going to be arguments here because I think Cheltenham felt there was a foul from Dobson on the edge of the area in the build-up to that. And there's some a booking coming in here as well. But when the ball was released to Therese Campbell, he lifted it across. And I didn't see whose hand it was, was in the air. Was it Freestone again? There's no question that it hits a hand where Cheltenham will feel aggrieved as whether it's in an unnatural position. It's very... No, it's very... Yeah, his hand's up there. I mean, it's harsh. Wow. It's harsh It's hit. It looks like it hits his elbow as he's diving down. It's his, his arm is up in the air, I guess, so that's the reason. Alfie May has the opportunity to get his second and Charlton's second, but in front of the covered end. Alfie May steps forward and drills it home. Charlton do have a second. Alfie May does have a second. And the Addicts have their noses in front. Well, times like this, you look to your key man, your talisman, to step up, have confidence. Goalkeeper goes the right way, but it's a perfectly placed penalty. And Alfie May's on the score sheet once again. There you go, the commentary of the 2-1 win uh, over Cheltenham Town at the Valley. Well, I've started it again. Uh, over Cheltenham Town at the Valley uh, on, uh, on Tuesday evening. Uh, it's an interesting point made in the chat, actually, by Dudley. Uh, so good evening, uh, everybody. I didn't get the feel-good feeling after the win uh, on Tuesday. And I, I'll be honest, like, I don't think that was only Dudley who had that. I, I've, never, I've never seen such a flat reaction to a, to a victory uh, as I did on, on Tuesday and, and spilling over in, into Wednesday when you look at the forums and on, on social media and whatnot. Um, it felt like... It felt like, a, 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 I don't know, people were weirdly underwhelmed by perhaps the performance as, as a whole because, you know, you, you go into a game against the Cheltenham side, they have picked up recently, but you really want your home games to be sort of statement performances at times. And, and it wasn't that. It re we really had to grind that one out, but we did. So it's, it's not all bad news, I guess, Mark. Yeah, I know. I know. I understand where people are coming from. Um, I think you're looking to dominate a game. If you dominate a game and you win... I think you feel a bit more warm and fuzzy. I think if you'd looked at that game, if we'd drawn it, I don't think there'd probably been too many grumbles because we were lacking in areas. Um, the penalty, the second one, probably I agree with you know Terry and Greg. It was you know very fortunate, but you know very forgiven nowadays. You only have to lift your arm slightly and it hits you, and it did hit him clean on the hand. I don't think it would have got to any red shirt in the middle, but. That's not the point. And you know, Alfie tucked it away very nicely. I don't. I agree with what someone said that Alfie's pens have been straight down the middle, and he is going to hit the goalkeeper, and he's going to miss one that way. I'm always. He's got a great shot on him, and he proved with his second pen, hard, low to the edge. Goalkeeper's not going to get anywhere near it. But as for feeling a bit flat, I think that could be a, like a combination of everything. I mean, the small crowd. The evening, and you want for willing them to do well, and you want your players to be excited and running, and and it it didn't happen. We were perfunctory, you know. We did the, the basic stuff, but there wasn't anything which where you go, wow, that was exceptional. You know, a couple of good turns, but you know, it's not like it was an end to end game either, because I don't really remember Ash making too many saves. So. Yeah. I think it was probably just one of those games. As, as soon as we equalised, I think Cheltenham were like, well, if we can get out of here with a point, we'll be happy. And probably to to accent the way we'd been playing, we'd probably said to ourselves at halftime, you know, if we get a point out of this, we probably deserve that, but no more, no less. I mean, look, you take the luck where you can get it. I'm sure we'll probably have something go against us sooner or later. So... I can understand the flat feeling, but at the end of the day, you've just got to say, look, it was a three-pointer, and that's the important thing, and, and just yeah. move on from it. 
Yeah, it was Simon who said how many of Alfie's pens have gone straight down the middle. He's going to get found out. But I don't, I don't think he's missed one yet in, in the regular season. He did miss two in pre-season. Um, but yeah, it, unless I've forgotten one, I can't remember him missing one in the regular season. Didn't Corey miss one? relatively recently um, Michael said a very lucky win wasn't it sort of summed up a bit where we are as a team at least it only took buying Alfie May uh, for us to finally beat uh, Cheltenham yeah that's our first ever win uh, over Cheltenham um, yeah I mean you spoke about chances uh, and I mean let's start with obviously the goal we conceded the worst possible start and it was an excellent cross uh, I think it was Circum from the right hand side um, and, and then the goal scorer uh, Will Goodwin just completely unmarked in the middle um, you know, Michael Appleton says, you know, we, we've got to be doing better with that with that goal that we've conceded. And, and again, I mean, how often have we have we seen moments like that th- th- this season? It just happens. It just happens too much for us. Um, I think it was, uh, yeah, all hell let loose. Said Goodwin, unmarked, given a free header. Now there's a surprise. Unfortunately, it didn't happen too often on on Tuesday, but it has happened too often this season. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw a lot of um, Eden getting, uh, you know, quite a bit of grief for the headed ball, but. When you watch the original ball come over, he's backpedalling away, which is difficult enough. And he's watching the ball and he's got his head on it. Now, it's quite difficult as you're backpedalling, watching the ball to then think, well, I've got to knock this out for the corner. So he's knocked it back up. The guy who's crossed the ball has literally touched it once down with his chest and he's hit a first time cross in and it was a good header. I'd be more inclined to say to Hector, I know... You know, as looking along the line, Watson's got to look and say, hold on a minute, he's he's got clear, I've got to get closer to him. And Brownie was saying it, but uh, you've got to get closer. And if it goes over a pair of you, you know, there's no one behind you. But Hector, he, you know, they would have been done in training. People would have been said, right, this is their main target man. And I always thought, if, you're, if you've got your target man, you've got to keep an eye on him all the time and you've got to be touched tight. Now, unless Hector's developed, you know, 10-foot arms, he's not touched tight on their striker. So, for me, I think it's a, it was a great cross. And I think sometimes you've got to say, that's, it was a really good goal. And their striker's finished it really well. But I think Hector should have had more of awareness. And I think if it had been Ness there, we'd have gone, you know, inexperience. You know, he's let the guy go, get between them, and he's pulled away. It's what we want to see our strikers doing. And I don't mm. think we do it enough, you know, get be a bit clever thinking about it but but with Hector he's old enough and experienced enough to go right where's my guy you know as, as he's got Joe you can see Jones you can see what's in front of him but he should be looking to say right where's my guy I should be closer to him so mm. I think if Hector's closer and he can put him off a bit you don't know what's going to happen but you know you give a guy that much time and space and like I say it was a fantastic cross and sometimes you've got to hold your head up and say look they, they they worked it well. It was a good goal, and it, it was. I mean, it's not like it's scuffed in and stuff, but, you know, you can pick fault all the way, really. But I don't, I don't think Eden deserves the grief he's been getting about his defending, because I'm thinking if you watch the ball and watch his positioning, he's really not got much option of how he's heading that. So... Mm. Yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how, how, I mean, you're speaking specifically about Eden, how he sort of grows on the defensive side of his game, because I think there's probably still a little bit of room for improvement. He, he brings a, probably similar to Cess last season, he brings a bit of excitement going forward. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. Also wonder if Tanae Watson on the far side could have given a heck of a shout, because I'm looking at that communication that caused another issue a few a few moments later when there was that ball into the six-yard box. And I, I think I think it was hacked away by Jones, hit Hector, and then Hector turned around and said to Ashley, why weren't you giving us a shout? Because he was coming off the line to get it as well. So maybe work to do there. I mean, our, our equalising penalty, what on earth was Freestone thinking diving in there? Because Miles was going absolutely nowhere. But um, yeah, silly mistake. The sort of the, the sort of error that you probably do make when you're down there and gave us a, a way back into it quite quickly. Um, it, it probably took until the end of that first half for us to really start piling up those chances. And I felt we might well have had a second penalty for the handball, uh, I think it was from Tedich after he came on and the, and the ball went inside, looked like it was a, a handball. Corey hit the post. We saw Watson's yeah. volley uh, that was tipped over and Tedich had a chance as well. But yeah, it, it took a while for us to really burst into life at the, the end of that first half, didn't it? It did. And it's strange because there did seem to be a lot of space for us to use and we, and we didn't use it. I mean, until Corey got that chance where he's dribbled in and like I say, he's, he's, he's done everything but score. And then it's come back to Dobbo and they've blocked it. Um, and it's it's strange because he's blocked, the guy's blocked it. So it's come off a defender and the, the linesman's put his flag up for offside. And you're thinking, well, hold on a minute. It's not, 
he wasn't offside when Dobbo had the shot. But I think we we were forced into playing it too tight in the middle. And I think itself and it didn't help with the with Miles going off. Um and Tedich is just a slightly different player to Miles. And um, is, that, is that a nice way of putting it or does he not bring the same the same quality? I, I, I thought he was hit and miss, to be fair. He, he did well for the chance he created with the shot. Obviously, he missed an absolute sitter at the start of the second half. But, you know, Michael, yeah. again, I asked, I asked Michael about him in the interview, and it's, it's been clear that he's wanted to see more from him, um, which is obviously the reason why he hasn't been getting in the side. Yeah, I don't think he's sort of, like, shown enough. I mean, when, when we signed him in on loan, and they did sort of like a highlights, oh, you know, these are the goals he scores. I'm thinking I've not seen any of that. You know, he's, he's, he's hardworking. Um, and it's funny because he reminds me a bit, and I can't think of the um, guy we had on loan who played in the playoff final and was um, went, ended up going to Wickham. Josh Parker. Um, Josh Parker. Yeah, and you're thinking he's, he's hardworking, but his final ball, his final shot just, just isn't there. And I understand, you know, having a bigger guy up front and more of a target man. Um, but I, I, I agree with that, uh, Mickey Apples. I'd like to see more from him because I think he has been given some opportunities. So, and obviously now with um, Lieburn being out injured, there's more going to be more opportunities come his way unless, I mean, just start December now, unless we pick up someone in January. Um I personally, I know he said he wants to keep Carnu playing at South End. I, w- I would recall him because I don't think we the other two youngsters we've got coming off a of production line. Um, the young Irish lad I know scored five and has has got really good awareness. I just don't think it's uh, t- uh, you know I think it's too early for them to to be doing that. I don't mind him a cup games. But we're going to struggle up front, I think, especially if we're just mm. relying on Alfie, because teams are just going to end up marking Alfie out of it. Mm. Yeah, so. well, Chris, uh, Chris said, I thought Lieburn must have had a rocket after Carlisle. He definitely showed a lot more effort uh, than against uh, Cheltenham. Uh, and then uh, Sam was there saying it, saying he thought he looks good until until he went off um, and asked if there's any update um, on his injury. Not yet. I mean, Michael's got a presser tomorrow morning, so we might hear something at some point tomorrow, but it depends on whether he's gone to have his scan. Uh, again, I do ask Michael for the immediate reaction, uh, which you'll hear um, in, in the interview in a few moments' time. Uh, Chris Reader says, uh, question for you, Louis, do you think if we'd been offered Lyle Taylor now with Lee Burns' injury, uh, would we have signed him? Yeah, so it's an interesting point. I mean, we, we asked uh, Michael about Lyle Taylor after the Sutton game. Uh, I don't think I played it on the show, but Rich put it in the paper uh, after he had already signed for for Wickham. Uh, And effectively, he said he's not a big fan of signing free agents at this point in the season because they, you know, especially ones that haven't played for a while because of how long it takes to get them up to to speed. So it would have been, it would have to be a desperation signing because of the situation that we find ourselves in. But, you know, I even asked about, um, you know, Carnu coming back and, um, Michael wasn't exactly that that bothered about bringing him back at the moment. He says we have we have got like Patrick Casey, like Mark mentioned, and obviously Mika uh, and Bick uh, on the bench. Right, let's bring in uh, Mr. Joe Puddyfoot, who's uh, who's joined us. Uh, evening, Joe. Good to see you. Your mic is sounding absolutely beautiful. Um, we were just talking about uh, Tuesday's game. What was your reaction to that one? Yeah, well, I've just put little man down. So if you can hear screaming in the background, shout, and I'll uh, <laughs> immediately mute and run away. Um, yeah, Tuesday, I thought. It was one of those games where we really struggled to control the midfield um, and it was a little bit open and end-to-end, which I didn't particularly enjoy watching. Uh, but we got the job done in difficult circumstances. So pleased pleased with the win, but I would have liked a better performance. I think we need some more complete performances and probably Watson to come back into that midfield. I don't understand why he's not starting every single game, if I'm honest, because he'd be pretty much my first name on the team sheet at the minute. Mm, yeah, and that's obviously a discussion point that's going to come up as well. Um, second half, I thought, yeah, again, I thought it took us a while to carve the real chances out. Like Corey got in on the left a couple of times once he cut in and, and fired at the goalkeeper's legs. Uh, once from a tight angle when he should have squared it, he seems to be going for the near post. But, you know, TC coming on made a bit of a change and, and he helped win the penalty 
uh, near the end. And again, it was Alfie uh, that, that put it away. Jay saying that much like last season, if you lose Alfie May, we aren't scoring. Uh, Fraser doesn't do enough. I think he's overweight. It looks like he's running uh, through mud. And he said last season, he was obviously talking about uh, Jez Raksaki. I mean, so Joe just mentioned it there again, that the whole Louis Watson and Scott Fraser debate. Um, you know, I asked uh, Michael about it after the... Carlisle game and just about the battle between the two players there for, for places and what, what he sees as Scott's um, I don't know the, the, the reason he brought him into the team for the Carlisle game and he spoke about experience but obviously he decided to stick with that experience uh, on, on Tuesday I mean would you go for experience over youthful exuberance in, in that decision there Mark between between the two players no I don't think you I don't think it's one of those games where you're going to need that and there is experience in the team anyway um, I, I know Joe did some stats saying about, you know, our success with Louis starting um, as opposed to when he doesn't. And we were much more successful when he's starting in the team. Um, I, I don't understand, you know, I've, I've, I've sort of like, I've cheered for Fraser, you know, over the last sort of like a couple of seasons and you really want him to like show, but he's not, and he's not doing it. And, he's not working hard enough and I understand what the guy's saying about he looks like he's running through mud I'm thinking well I don't actually remember seeing him run so it's a he could have just been stuck in the mud so it's it's just like one of those Sabutio players who just slightly off all the time Um, I understand to an extent where he might think with Watson there is he a little too similar in stature and style to Dobbo Um, but I'm thinking well Surely two Dobbos would be great anyway. So, and now now we've we've got McGrandles, and I understand what Mickey's had him before, so he knows what he can do and trusts him. And again, he's still getting back up to speed, and that's a bit obvious. Um, but it's it's a bit weird one with Fraser. I think the jury has always been out with him, but I think the jury's coming back soon, and has got a bit of a verdict. I don't think it's looking good for Fraser. I would have Louis Watson in. It's like you say, youthful, youthful exuberance. Um, and I think it would take a little pressure of Dobson a bit as well, because he's got someone else who can do that kind of like Yorkshire Terrier snapping at your ankles job. It's kind of thing. So he does, he's not going to let people settle. Where Fraser would let them settle, have a cup of tea and move on. Mm, yeah, I mean, obviously he's, he's got elements to his game that, that, that Scott can bring to him. It's, and again, it's whether he does it enough, which which for me, I, I've, I've always found myself questioning. You always feel like there's more to come from Scott that we don't quite get, which I find uh, hugely frustrating. Hi to Sid, uh, who's watching, uh, and Sophie as well. Says hello to her dad in there, which is nice. Um, uh, Dean Chapman's going to start a furious debate about whether it's too early for a Christmas tree because Mark's got one up in his... Uh, in his living room. Mark has got like young twins to be fair. So I think the, I think the boys love it probably. Uh, right. Let's hear from uh, Michael Appleton actually, because we've got loads of audio to get to uh, today. I spoke to the addicts boss after the game uh, against uh, Cheltenham in midweek. And this is what he had to say. 2-1 win against Cheltenham. Uh, did you have to grind that out a little bit? I think we did. Um, but it's probably not nothing more than what we might have expected. If I'm being honest, we are obviously, you know, Cheltenham come here on the back of three wins in five games. Um, fantastic result for him on Saturday against Oxford and, and won deservedly. Uh, so we knew it was always going to be difficult. Um, didn't get off to the start that we, we would like. A poor goal from our point of view for, for lots of reasons. Um, but then I, I thought after that, you know, I thought, you know, we should have been out of sight at half-time. You know, the amount of opportunities we have. I know we, the keepers made some decent saves, but... You know, we we have to be more clinical in front of goal than what we have been tonight, and certainly in that first half. Um, having said all that, I thought they held the nerve, the players, um, limited them to very little, definitely in that second half, uh, other than sort of crosses in the box and the odd set play. Um, and pleasing, yeah, just pleasing that they've shown a little bit of patience, um, a little bit of calmness at times. I know there was an urgency from the stands to get the ball forward quick but the problem with that is you're coming up against a side that are used to that and can deal with that and you don't want to turn it into a game of tennis or ping pong as I call it um, so I think when you sort of weigh everything up and you look at it as a whole the one thing I did say to the players is I can only speak personally for me it's the most satisfying victory I've had since I've been here 
Yeah, I think we saw that on Alfie's face as well when he said he wouldn't celebrate if he scored against his former club. But he didn't for the first, but he couldn't help himself for the second. Yeah. It's how important that goal was. Yeah, it was huge just for for belief for everything. You know, we, we, you know, we've 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 done all right um, over the sort of you know period of time in the league games since I've walked through the door, and this was um, yeah, this is a big result for everyone. We knew that the two cup games coming up, it almost felt like it was an international situation. Um, whereas if you get a positive result. Now we've got two free hits, so to speak. You know, we've got an opportunity in two cup competitions to progress. And the next time we have to think about the, the league will be on the Thursday after the after the Reading game. And your, your home form is looking really good at the moment, particularly in the league. I think I make it five wins from seven in, in the league here. Why, why do you think it's so different between home and away? Well, the fans are a big help. Obviously, they stick with the team and they get behind the team. And I think... You know, there's a few clubs in the country and a few grounds in the country that are able to almost help the players suck the ball into the back of the goal. And I do believe that, you know, we're one of them and we're delighted with that. Um, but again, obviously, you know, the pitch helps us. It is a big wide pitch. You know, there's not many bigger in the, in the football league. Um, and we've got the profile of players to be able to deal with that. One bit of bad news, obviously, Miles going off in, in the first half. Was it was his hamstring he was holding? Yeah, hamstring, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. And, and do you know what? I felt for him as well because I thought he was playing really well. Not only was his link-up play pretty good and he looked a threat in behind, but I thought he was up for the challenge. He wanted to fight and a scrap with Curtis, which was pleasing because, obviously, you know, Curtis Davis is a very experienced player, a very experienced pro. I've, I've coached him, I've worked with him at West Brom and I know what he's about, but... To be fair to Miles, he gave him a he gave him a tough time early on. In the early stages, can you can you tell if it feels like a bad one or a? Or well, it's a high up, which is a bit of a worry. You know, it's normally a little bit easier when it's lower down or it's on the side. But I think it's high up on the inside. And so, uh, listen, I don't know if he'll go for a scan tomorrow because these type of things they swell and they bleed, and you've got to stop the bleeding first. So, possibly back end of the week, he'll he'll have a scan and we'll be able to give you a bit more info. Obviously, Tedic came in and probably unlucky not to at least get a goal with that great save in the first half. The chance he probably feel he could have done better with in the second as well. But were you, were you pleased with his? I was delighted with Teddy. Just said that then, you know, on on the TV. Yeah, I was delighted with Teddy. You know, I've asked questions of him over the last week or so, uh, demanding more of him. I've not seen that since he's walked through the door. To be, or I've walked through the door. I've not seen that enough of him, and I think he knows that, and I've made it clear and. I think I got a bit of a reaction out of him today, which was pleasing. Um, so, yeah, I can only be happy that he'll want to do that on a regular basis. Um, and if that's the case, then obviously he can be an asset to us. There you go. That's uh, Michael Appleton speaking to me after the game uh, on Tuesday. Tony sent us a, a message on, on Twitter, said it was uh, not a great performance. Nice to win a fort. Cheltenham were anti-football in their approach and we still kept trying to play possession-based uh, percentage balls in the first half. Second half was poor. I thought Corey had his worst game for us, and I worry for Tedic. She needs a goal and quick. Looking at Appleton's uh, points return, I think we we're gaining momentum and pushing our way into the playoffs, uh, as previously said. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at his points per game, uh, we'd, 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 I think, probably you know, over the course of the season, we'd, we'd come close, but probably fall ever so slightly short. But um, you know, it's. Yes, that's the frustrating part about us every season is we can get a manager in halfway through. Um, and uh, possibly fall just short based on their points return, but we never then stick a, a whole season together because of the squad and the turnover and the way we start season. So that that seems to be uh, the, the the case for us, which are, I, yeah, it's frustrating because it's the same every season. Steve said uh, scrappy win, but we'll take it. Uh, Fort Fraser was very poor. Can't understand why Tedic is unable to win a header. I uh, thought Lloyd Jones was good though. Uh, strong at the back and good in distribution. McSquared uh, says uh, he thinks we're now in a better place than any, any time since Roland Duchatelet took over. At least we appear to have some stability thanks to Mickey Apples. The squad is much better at this stage than it was 12 months ago. Still thinks it lacks a depth and sufficient quality, though, to make a serious uh, promotion bid. That's from uh, McSquared. A couple of people have said, um, uh, are we going to have a, a little discussion about the new chap that's come in today? Um, Will Abbott has joined us, the director of performance services. Uh, Joe, um, I mean, it's a it's a role that the the new lot have said they're going to fill for a while. And this guy comes uh, after ten years' experience with Brighton, you know, well-run club. So, you know, obviously, it's, it's hard to assess someone who you hear very little about in, in backroom sort of stuff. But hopefully, on paper, that sounds like a, a half decent appointment, and, and we'll see if he can have a good effect on the club. 
Yeah, I I thought it was a strange one actually for from his perspective when I first read it because I thought why would you drop from Brighton but basically can't do anything wrong it seems and come to Charlton who have a history of not doing anything right it's a, a bit of a, a a jump but um I suppose if you're not on the playing playing side it's it's maybe less daunting but he's he's got his work cut out hasn't he? he's come into an injury ravaged squad. Um, he's got the enigma that is Chuck's and Ike, so perhaps he just really fancied a challenge. Uh, it's nice to see, though, on the back, on a serious note, on the backroom staff, it seems to be that we're putting some decent appointments together and actually getting some proper footballing roles filled by people with a little bit of calibre. Um, and it's not, you know, Charlie Meffen's nephew that has been roped in to be the director to say, of performance. Is, is there no way we could get Thomas Sangard's missus to come back and do the job? Might be a bit cheaper. Well, <laughs> it, it would it would probably be cheaper. Um, but but yeah, uh, I'm not sure we can afford the visa. That's the um, that's the one oh, thing yeah. that we do have to get past. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can maybe outsource the role. Uh, but you yeah, know, ultimately behind the scenes, it's got to be uh, it's got to be right behind the scenes to be good on the pitch. Um, and slowly but surely, it seems like we're getting that that part of the the system right. January would be massive. We need a, a good window in January, and then mm. probably going to need another good window in the summer to to really go and take this league on next season. Uh, but outside of those that those two elements, I'm sort of quietly confident about the sort of shape that things are taking behind the scenes. And I, it's been a long time since I said that, and I'm obviously now expecting that to all blow up in my face immediately because. That's Anytime it, we're optimistic, something happens. Yeah, that's what that's what normally happens. And obviously, uh, the, the the backroom staff is important. The, the players that they put on the pitch important as well. But hopefully, uh, Doctor Will's arrival will be a step in the right direction. So the club are saying who who overlook um, things like the medical, nutrition, sports science, and psychology uh, departments. So yeah, uh, work cut out there. Um, as Michael says in the chat, the Brighton connection, though, is, is hopefully uh, a good thing. Right, we'll have a quick break. We've still got loads to talk about. We're going to hear from Alfie May in a few moments' time. We're going to have the debate about Alfie May uh, playing on the right. Uh, we hear Alfie's opinion on that and Michael Appleton's opinion on that. Of course, we're going to turn our attention to the Gillingham game. Uh, our Jill's guest is already in the waiting room, uh, Lewis Hart. So we'll speak to him later on uh, in the show as well. But let's have a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we will continue chatting. Charlton. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk Hello fellow addicts, I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich, it has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Charlton fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley too. If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. We're still looking back at the game, uh, the win against Cheltenham uh, the other day. It was a uh, important three points for the Addicts. As I said, it improved, uh, you know, it in, in increased our decent home run, uh, which isn't too bad. Five wins out of the last seven, but obviously only one win on the road uh, in the league all season is partly why we're not quite 
in that playoff conversation yet. I think we're still seven points shy uh, of the top six, which isn't the position uh, you want to be in. If we were to continue on Michael Appleton's points per game, which is 1.67, from now until the end of the season, we'd finish on 72.7 points, which is just outside the playoffs probably. But also that's taking that short spell and stretching it over a, a course of a season, which is a bit harder as well. So still work to do. Uh, one man who doesn't really need to do any more work for the rest of the season, he can have the rest of it off if he wants because he's already hit any goal target I ever set for a, a Charlton striker, uh, which is 15, um, is uh, Alfie May. And he got another two uh, on Saturday, both of them from the penalty spot against his former club. Uh, this is what he had to say after his brace against Cheltenham. Your goals, congratulations uh, against your former side as well. Most important thing, obviously, three points tonight. Yeah, you take take my goals away from it. The 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 three points is is massive tonight, and um, a, a team like like Cheltenham have, have come here and sort of give us a good test. Um, and these type of the games that that we have to have to win, um, and they can go. I've been I, like I said, I've, I, I've been in that change room at Cheltenham, and you sort of you get yourself you come down to the valley, you get yourself right up for it because you know. What sort of what crowd? How big the club is? So yeah, no, massive, and and, and we build on to that now. So you said in your program that you weren't going to celebrate against your former club. I think the second one you almost couldn't help yourself because it's such an important goal. Yeah, it was it was the it was the winner, and I sort of it ain't one of my normal celebrations. I think sort of give it the big one, um, but for me, if I, I if I score two, sort of I owe Cholton a celebration because they've. They've been they've been so good to me since I've been coming, and and they pay their hard money to to come and watch us. So, um, so I thought I owed, owed that to them, and and I knew how, how important the three points was going to be. It's hard not to celebrate because you try me the sort of person who'd celebrate winning a corner. Like you seem to really love playing. Yeah, I do about fifteen celebrations normally, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I um, it is it's a hard one because, like I say, I've said it I've said it plenty of times in interviews. What what Cheltenham means to me. Um, I'll probably get a little bit of stick from some of the fans now, um, but it is what it is. It's football. Um, I, I moved on, and and I've got to do it for Charlton. What does this comparison with Erling Haaland mean to you as well? Because obviously you're back on level terms now. Yeah, I'm chasing him, isn't I? <laughs> um, nah, I just uh, yeah, nah, uh, yeah, again on Haaland. Yeah, he, um, it's a, it's a, it's one of them. I'm, uh, it's a good tool to have. I'm, I'm not saying I'm. I'm up near his level, he's like I say. I've said it plenty of times. I got a little bit of stick from from a few Man City fans. Message me saying who I am um, or who who are you? Um, but I, I basically just said he's do, he's doing it at the elite level. He's him, him and Harry Kane are the are the best strikers currently in in the world. Um, so I just try and learn from from how Harry scores goals and he stands in the middle of the box and and taps them in. And every striker wants to wants to take them. They know who you are now. You talk about standing in the middle of the box. Actually, Michael's also just been in talking about the the fact you've been asked to play a few different roles, playing out wide. I mean, it hasn't seemed to have stopped you. It's certainly something that fans have picked up on when you go one game without the goals. Otherwise, you're playing out wide. But do, do you mind being put out there? No, nah, the, the gaffer knows. <clears throat> he knows my my mentality. Um, I, I I just want to play. I just want to. Um, I just want to be on the pitch. So I'd I'd play anywhere and. They're sort of when we went two one up, I was getting asked to sort of drop deep in, in midfield and listen, it's a it's a new it's a new role for me. Um something different, but I'm really, really enjoying it. There we go. That's what Alfie had to say on being asked to play out wide. And I've just got one more bit of audio that we got to get to because I think it's important to hear what Michael Appleton has to say on it as well. Obviously, it's been a big discussion point, particularly after the game at Carlisle, where obviously we, we, we had a few moments in the penalty area and didn't take as many as we would have wanted. And the question comes up, well, what's Alfie May doing out on the right-hand side? So uh, Michael did address that uh, on uh, Tuesday. This was his thoughts on why Alfie can play wherever he wants him to play, really. Because obviously, you know, people keep saying, oh, uh, or I keep reading about, you know, oh, he's not playing in the right position. He, he's doing all right considering I'm not playing in the right position because, you know, apart from just the penalty goals, he's scoring a lot of goals and he looked like he could score two or three more tonight as well in that first half especially. So, um, yeah, he's, he's in a good place. I'm glad he's in a good place because... Obviously, when he is, he's, uh, he's, he's hard to stop. When you say that, he obviously, there's obviously been a lot of talk that he needs to play as the 10, mm. sort of behind the striker, mm. but you're playing him on the right at mm. times. So, yeah. mm. you feel that that's a beneficial position for him? We scored a hell of a lot of goals doing it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think what 
we sort of tried to get into Alfie's head early doors, and I think this has worked, is that, you know, a lot of the time when you're the striker, you're the first in the box, and you, you, there's a tendency to be easy, easily marked because you're there, when the, you know, whereas whether he's playing in a wide position or as a 10, you tend to arrive a little bit later. And I think if you look at all his goals, there's not many of them where he's had a touch. You know, a lot of them, he's, he's like one touch finishing, arriving late. And even the, the goal at Pompey, he made a run from a from a deeper position in that wide area to get his goal. And, you know, so I think he's bringing a different dimension to his game. And I think he's making it more difficult for the opposition to deal with him. But I would say that, wouldn't I? There we go. That's Michael Appleton. Um, I mean, he's still getting goals no matter where he plays, Mark. Obviously, they, they came from the penalty spot on Tuesday, but the one at Portsmouth came from out wide. You know, when when he was shifted out wide at Wigan early on, um, I think Portsmouth, I think it was later in the game he got shifted out wide, if I remember rightly. Both times I was thinking, come on, is this is this the right place to put your, your prolific bagsman out by the corner flag? And well, he, he, every time he's moved to a different role, whether it be from the nine to the ten or, or then from the ten out wide, he's he's still scoring. So, I mean, as Michael says, does that mean Appleton's confirmed as a tactical genius, or, or does it mean we've we've had a gamble and it's paid off? Uh, I'd say the second one, but you know, with Alfie, he's got energy for days. His running, you know, you say he was asked to drop back into midfield, and he ran for, and he ran and he ran and he ran. He is literally a non-stop runner. Um, where he gets the energy from, if he could bottle it and sell it, or if he could bottle it, he could give some to Fraser. Um, so I don't mind him being out on the right, funny enough, because I think if he's in the middle, he's going to be probably kicked up in the air and overshadowed by some big lump of a second, centre half, and the ball's not going to get to him and you know, not going to be knocking it long, and he's going to be trapping it and bringing people in. It's just not how we're playing at the moment. So if he's out on the right, you know, he's up against a fullback. Someone who he's got the speed with, because Alfie is quick, and you know, the fullbacks don't like people running at them. They've, you know, they want to defend. They don't like people running at. Them. We've got Corey on one side running at somebody. Um, what you don't see is obviously it used to be the fashion of wingers would like swap over from time to time, just to sort of cause tactical issues for the opposition. We don't tend to do that. We tend to stick where we are. And I don't mind him being out that far and, and arriving late and being an open. Yeah, you want your strikers, you say, to be in the middle, being a six-yard box. But if it's working, and you can't turn around and say after 17 goals, it's not. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, possibly tactics. I maybe would, I might be doing um, apples a disservice. But we've got the player there who, I think there's a certain type of player that if you were to wake them up at three o'clock in the morning, hand them a pair of boots and say, right, you're playing now, would go, right, fine, where's my shorts, where's my boots, where's my shirt, I'm going out and playing three o'clock in the morning. He's one of them. And I think we've got a few of them in the team. We don't have enough. Um, and I, I just, I love Alfie May's enthusiasm. And that's the thing. And, it, and it, you want it to rub off onto, onto the other players kind of thing. Because he, he plays with a smile. Um, he's deadly. He knows the goal doesn't move. He doesn't have to be looking up to see where the goal. He knows the goal doesn't move. So if he hits it well, he knows it's going in. Um, and again, I, I think if people bring in the Harland thing. You're saying, yeah, okay, as a, a level, but he still scored a hell of a lot of goals. And mm. you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't swap him at the moment. I don't think for many many other strikers. Yeah, but maybe for Harlan though. To be fair, uh, Alan says uh, we should try him Saturday in his best position and see how it goes. I mean, we do have them um, defenders, Mark, who look like they've uh, they've been asked to wake up at three o'clock and, and play <laughs> over the last few seasons, haven't we? Uh, Johan said that uh, May has to play striker. Luke said he really liked him at the tip of the diamond in midfield, like sort of that ten roll, uh, making late runs that are hard to track. And uh, yeah, I, I thought he looked good there. But like like, like we've said, he's looked everywhere. Um, He's looked good everywhere, really. He says that personally, I prefer an out and out winger on the right, like Tyrese. But personally, I'd play Chen. But Appleton doesn't fancy him. That's what uh, Luke has to say. Right, we've left our Gillingham guest in the waiting room for way too long. Let's turn our attention uh, to Saturday's uh, trip uh, down to Priestfield, the ground we just can't seem to get away from. Uh, Lewis Hart now is a Gillingham fan. Uh, he joins us uh, on yes, the show. Uh, good, good to uh, good to see you. Thank you for for joining us to talk about the Jills. 
Um, yeah, as we said, we, we uh, every season we, we think, right, we're not going to have to go and sit in a stand made of scaffold, and every season you, you oh. come back to haunt us again. Um, yes. uh, tell, us, tell us about the deals this season. How, how's it gone so far? Absolutely. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for, thank you for taking me on. really appreciate uh, giving the time. And I do, do have to apologise on behalf for having to experience, um, you know, once is enough, but you know, carrying on having to do it isn't really the most pleasurable experience. <laughs> um, this year, you know, it, it's been a bit of an interesting year. Um, you know, I don't think it's really gone the way it's expected. If you, if you told me after five or six games, we'd be in this position that we're in now. Um, I wouldn't have really believed you. Um, starting off the season really, really well. Um, you know, winning our first four games one nil, um, and then obviously having the defeat to Colchester, then coming back from that, and to see the position that we're in now, where I think we're about what, ten points off the top of the league, um, seventh, uh, five points from the next position, um, it, it hasn't really gone to plan. Um, and I do think a part of that was the football that we were playing simply wasn't sustainable. Um, that's why Neil Harris, you know, ended up getting sacked, whether you agree with it or not. Um, you know, the, the football it wasn't it wasn't sort of very much positive. Um, a lot of it was sort of on the back foot, and, and the sort of as you as you mentioned earlier about Cheltenham playing net, uh, a bit anti football. I definitely think we could have been accused of that at times. Um, but yeah, obviously we've got a new gaffer in now. Um, although we did beat Wimbledon on a Tuesday night, people weren't best pleased with it. Um, it almost felt like we lost in a way with the way with the way we played. You know, if you're going to sack a manager for the the style that they play, you hope that the manager that you bring in, with this being Stephen Clements, is a sort of improvement. I've struggled to see that. I've struggled to see this improvement in in play or even an attempt to play in a different way. I do feel like it's very very similar to how he played previously. Um, yeah, it's just I, I feel like in this position now. I know it takes time for new managers to bed in. But the Tranmere defeat and you know this performance, although we did win, with it not being impressive, that does leave a lot of question marks about you know potential future. With people already sort of losing their patience with Stephen Clements, as mad as that sounds, <laughs> about three or four games in. But I do feel like that's just how football is now with people being so reactionary. It does take time, but overall, to be how we started to how we are in now, I can't help but say it's frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I I can I can sympathise with your frustrations. I remember actually uh, texting the boys um, through the season saying they've they've got more points than they've got goals. How do they keep on yeah. achieving that? Because um, it's normally a point of goal is where you you end up. Obviously, goals scored is um, a bit a bit a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, but you've got three players from us. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got Johnny Williams mm-hmm. who creates but doesn't particularly score. Lapsley, yeah. who's full of energy, and then Macaulay Bond, um, who I wasn't the biggest fan of, but how yeah, are they nice. getting on? And has Macaulay made any impact other than in the front gardens of Gillingham? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's obviously made a lot a lot of impact on the front gardens, not just himself, but trying to injure other players as well. Um, I think it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Listen, I don't ever want to throw any, any player under the bus, but he came to us particularly unfit. I don't think, you know, just looking at that on the eye, I don't think anything anyone knew that he was in a fit state to play. And it has taken time with him. Um, um, you know, like yourself, you aren't a massive fan of him. I don't think you're alone in terms of Gillingham fans not being a massive fan of him. I think people have been very disappointed. They do see some of his track record. Obviously, he had a couple good, uh, sort of a decent season for you. Done very well for Leighton Orient. Being at QPR, I think people are like, Macaulay Bond's the answer. He's the sort of the guy, that he's the striker we need for our... our, our are problems that we have going forward. He hasn't really been the answer, but the question that I always have is, is the play style suited towards him? Mentioned there, anti-football, negative football. Does that suit towards Macaulay Bonkers? Really, he's feeding off a lot, a lot of scraps, you know. He's not really having the service to him um, or, or the, the, the particular way that he's played isn't really suited towards Macaulay Bond. Um, but I can understand the frustrations that people may have with him, with him not hitting the ground running as well. Um, but I do feel like, you know, if he, when he gets himself fit, <laughs> if he gets himself fit and, and has a run of games, I do see sort of, there is definitely potential in him, as we've seen that before. Um, we have seen that potential with him before. Like I said, you know, he came on Tuesday night. Um, first thing he done was got the assist for the goal. Uh, he, you know, you're playing, he's playing up top. And he, you know, when, he, when you're playing up top on, on your own, you are hung out to dry a little bit. I do think if he had a little bit more company around him, maybe two up top, um, we'd be a little bit more beneficial from that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hard one. As I say, he did come in quite unfit, quite overweight. Um, you know, that's not me being trying to throw him under the bus. That's just simply a fact. 
Um, so I do think it, with, with Bond it will take time, but I can understand why people may have those frustrations. I think if you did throw him under the bus, they'd probably be flagged for offside anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what it is, I was going to say, there was a manager on uh, Talk Sport this week and he was talking about League Two, he thinks is actually the hardest division to get out of this year. Um, with obviously everyone talks about Wrexham coming up and Notts County yeah. and being there. What do you think your realistic expectation is for the rest of this season? I think I think it, when you look at it now, um, I would be I would obviously I'd take playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I I I wasn't overly. I mean, it's it's easy to say after four games of our start, I would have been you know very much like you know we playoffs is a minimum. And I said that before with with the money that we're investing, the money we've got in personnel we've got in when you look at it on paper we're easily a top six top you know we're, we're a top 17 we deserve we, we should be in the playoffs everyone always everyone's tipping us before you know they say genuinely we up there this year um but league two is a hard league to get out of but i don't you know whilst it's a hard league to get out of, i don't particularly think the quality is amazing in a way you know as i say we we we, we weren't particularly we aren't particularly playing well and I don't think by any any stretch of the imagination, any stretch of the imagination, we've been world beaters. Um, but we find ourselves seventh, so we still find ourselves in a playoff spot. Um, so I definitely think ability-wise, um, I definitely think it's, it's full of a lot of poor teams. But with the money we've invested, like what, what would I take? I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd stay playoff. We, we do need to get in the playoffs for the money that we've invested. Do I think it's a realistic proposition? I think if you say if you had it on four scales, I say it's unlikely for us to get it. Um, but I think you know we might you know invest loads in January. Clements might get this, might get us playing again, and you know we might comfortably finish in top seven. But for me, can I see it right now? Probably not. But just uh, briefly, then, Lewis, last question: um, Do you guys see us as rivals? So sometimes people sort of outside of Cheltenham try and say this is a bit of a rivalry game, but I, I don't really yeah. know many Cheltenham fans who see it that way. Do you, do you know what it is, mate? Like, you know when you've got that. You, you know, you've got you've got Chris, you're a Charlton fan. You've got Crystal Palace. Yeah, you've got Millwall. You know, you've got a couple other South London teams. You, you know, you got you got the big brothers. Then you got that flipping like annoying little brother that's just like chirping up to you all the time. It might really shut up. I think that's what we really are to you. Um, I think that's what we'd probably be. Uh, we, uh, but but for ourselves, you know, we we're full of little brothers, and um, we're the big brother in a sense when it comes to Kent, and you know. You, you, let's be honest, mate. You did you did try and nick our fans back in the day when you were in the Premier League. So you know we can't really forget that. Um, <laughs> so do I really consider your rivals? Probably not. I don't really care. Do you know what I mean? If if you think, if, if someone said to me, you know, I support Charlton, I won't think any to any any different about them. Um, but I don't know, mate. I don't know. It's, I, I, I'm going to sit on the fence here. I'll, I'll probably say no. I'll probably say no. Like I said, we're we're that we're we're trying to force rivalries with certain people, uh, and you know. I definitely wouldn't consider right Charlton one of the rivals. Yeah, so okay. I, as we wouldn't as well. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we got that answer because that is pretty much the way we feel. Right, Lewis. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. That was, that was really good. Pleasure, mate. Thank you Cheers for having your time. Best Appreciate of luck for the rest it. of the season after after Saturday. Of course, there we go. Uh, that was Lewis Hart, who's uh, our Gilligan fan, who joined us uh, this week and spoke very well, actually. Fair play uh, to him. Let's hear from Michael Appleton ahead of the trip then to uh, Priestfield. Uh, just asked him for a very brief look ahead. And we were talking a little bit about Patrick Casey and Mika and Bick uh, on Tuesday. So I'll start off by asking if they've got a chance of being involved uh, over the weekend. On, on Saturday, I mean, would, would there be a chance for likes of, of Patrick or Mika then to, to, to get a game, do you think? Uh, it's always a chance because ultimately, you know, from a numbers point of view, um, we're still going to have to go there on Saturday with 18 and um, he earned the right to be in that tonight you know um, there was a couple of players who probably feel a little bit unfortunate not to be on the bench tonight um, but they're the decisions you got to make how, how big do you see Saturday obviously it's a one step away from a, from a third round time Charlton had a great tie in the EFL Cup last year and it meant a lot to supporters yeah and, and, and you know it means a lot to me as well the cup the, you know that that competition has been good for me. Well, they both have, to be fair. Um, so I just want to win every single game I can play. And if I think I've got a good chance of doing it, then I'm obviously going to try and win it. You know, I think when you get an opportunity to play in the third round of the FA Cup against one of the top, top sides, you, you can't sort of take that lightly. And we won't be taking it lightly and we'll give it our best shot. The Jules will be a good test, so we'll see the half-decent side in, in, in League 2. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously Clem's got in, he's changed the style of play. You know, they're, they're looking to play and play through the thirds now. Um, so he's having a right goal from that point of view. 
So that's something that you know I think I think would suit us. To be honest with you, I think we find it a little bit easier against that type than what we found tonight. Um, so yeah, can't beat it, can you? FA Cup tie, second round, carrot of third round. That's what it's all about. Well, there we go. Well, Michael Appleton sounds up for it, Joe. Um, what sort of squad would you be taking? Uh, I, I would take some of the. I would take some of the kids. Um, uh, any defender with a half decent grasp of the offside rule, and that would pretty much stop McCauley Bond scoring. So that's uh, that's that one ticked. Um, so I'm leaving Hector at home. Uh, but yeah, it'd be nice to see Casey. It'd be nice to see Mbick. It'd be nice to see uh, TC uh, getting 90 minutes as well. Uh, but I think Tedich could do with starting the game. Uh, I'd love to see Louis Watson. Uh, given an opportunity to once again demonstrate to Apples what he's missing out on by leaving him on the bench. Uh, and then both, uh, you'd argue that both Fraser and McGrandles obviously need minutes because they're genuinely making Ben Watson look sprightly in the middle of midfield at the minute, which is a bit of a concern. So uh, that'd be sort of where my head's at um, overall. But we don't have that many options to rotate, do we? So it's it's the players that are in the squad or the kids. The only person that I can categorically say I will fall off my chair if they're even involved in the squad at all will be Charlie Kirk. Um, but outside of him, I suppose all bets are off for, for any player that is fit. It'd be nice to see us actually go there and put a bit of a bit of an actual performance in um, and sort of take them apart. Because these are next two games of great opportunities to build some confidence and give ourselves a platform for that difficult run into to Christmas and the new year. Uh, and if we don't take this opportunity to get that that confidence up, then it's going to be an opportunity missed for me. Yeah, Jill's uh, Saturday and then it's Reading away on Wednesday in the Bristols. Um, yeah, in, in the next round. Uh, Dean's saying, uh, don't do a Cray Valley uh, first leg, win the game, then bring the kids on. Is that, is that how you see it, Mark? We, we've sold out the away end. Obviously, it's slightly reduced because uh, part of it's fallen down. But um, yeah, we, we're taking a big lot down there. So we obviously need we, we obviously need to put on a show for those people who've paid their hard earned to, to go down to Kent. Yeah, I mean, it's saying don't play the kids, but I'm thinking, do you now class people like Simway, Karoy Anderson, in that kind of bracket? Because they've got a decent amount, a fair amount of experience in now. I think possibly have a couple of kids on the bench. I think possibly he might stick Ness in alongside Jones. Um, and again, it depends if you start Ted Itch and have Alfie on the bench if you need him which I would think would probably be a better idea, you know, possibly whether Corey comes in or out. I, I know where Joe's going with Kirk, and I, I, I'd agree, but I wouldn't be surprised if if he did make an appearance. He's already played in the Cup, so he's cup-tied if he goes anywhere else anyway. And it could be, Apples has said to him, right, you have one last chance. I know Joe's laughing here. Um, you have one last chance. It, it wouldn't be on realms of Charlton's possibilities uh, it would shock me it would shock me to my very core if we ever saw Charlie it might Kirk do, but it, it, unless, you know. unless there's some sort of bug that wipes out the entire team and Charlie goes out on his own purely because of, of you know the fact he's not getting in the the Papa John's or whatever it's called squads he's not getting in the FA Cup squads now as well I think Michael was quite clear when I asked him after the game against Cray that He's going to be drawing a line underneath that one. Uh, all hell let loose is asking, would Joe play Ashley Maynard Brewer uh, in goal? I mean, Sam Walker has played the cup games recently. Um, which way would you go, Joe? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't go with Walker. If I was going to rotate anyone into goal, I'd, I'd actually give Molyneux a go. Um, but Walker genuinely puts the frighteners on me every time I see him run out. It's, it's, it's like he's never played football before, some of the stuff that he seems to do. So, um for me, it's either Ash, and, and, and it'd be nice for him as well, because he was there on loan, wasn't he? Um, played about three games, got injured. So it'd be nice for them to see what they could have had if he'd um, had stayed fit. So rub rub that salt on that wound a little bit more. Yeah, I'm not, conv- I'm not convinced he played any games, actually. He might have been, uh, might be, I think he was injured in pre-season, but I may have misremembered that. So yeah, it uh, would, um, would be interesting to see which way we go with that. Right, we run out of time uh, on this week's Charlton Live Big Match uh, preview. Massive thanks to uh, everyone who's uh, joined us uh, in the live stream uh, this evening, uh, giving us your comments. Don't forget uh, to subscribe to us uh, on our YouTube page or via the podcast app where you listen back to us. Don't forget to check out our Etsy store. 
Uh, we're coming up to Christmas. Again, we, we're shifting more mugs than we have for the rest of the year. So uh, charltonlive.etsy.com uh, if you want a Charlton Live branded mug. Uh, Mark's got his one. I've got my one there, the third kit, the third kit colours one. They're actually pretty cool. Uh, and they're dishwasher safe because I've done about six months worth of testing there. Uh, so give that a go. Um, yeah, charltonlive.etsy.com. Massive thanks to Lewis who joined us uh, as our guest earlier on uh, from Gillingham and confused me by spelling his name the same way you spell Louis, but calling it Lewis. That's ridiculous. I mean, he's never coming on again. Uh, big thanks of course to mark and to joe uh for your time this evening good to speak to you too you're welcome mate <clears throat> yeah let's bring your hard hat saturday for the scaffolding yeah so um yeah don't forget we'll be back on sunday uh to look back at whatever happens uh, against uh, gillingham but thanks for listening uh, this evening i'm louis mendez uh, this has been charlton live sponsored by the british institute of kitchen a bedroom and bathroom installation we shall see you again on sunday <laughs>